Hi, welcome to the Winners Find a Way show and podcast with your host, Trent M. Clark, three-time World Series coach, CEO of Leadershipity, serial entrepreneur, having started 12 companies, coach to the 1%, and an international speaker. This show is going to be your go-to podcast for facing adversity, being inspired, and overcoming obstacles, all from the best in the world, business, sports, and leadership. Hate the crappy ingredients in many beverages and energy drinks? Rebellious Infusions are the go-to functional beverage. They have five or fewer plant-based organic ingredients. No sugar, no calories, loaded with antioxidants to boost your immune system. And L-thionine for brain health. Rebellious Infusions are available at drinkrebellious.com. Rethink your drink. For 10% off of your next purchase, use the code 99999. Hello and welcome to the Winners Find a Way show. I am your host, Trent Clark, and I am excited today. I got my good buddy, Chase Minifield. Chase, how are you doing, my man? I'm doing well. Trent, how are you? I'm pumped, man. Excited to be here. As people know, I am the CEO of Leadershipity and also of Athletic Influencer Marketing, an IL education firm, and we are just trying to help people all over. I am the host, obviously, of the Winners Find a Way show. So always excited to bring out my all-star one percenters and Chase certainly is falling into this, man. This young guy is just at it, moving, shaking, former NFL DB. Chase, tell him as a UVA grad, you got your folks, give a shout out to your VA crew. Always good. Yeah, shout out to the Cavs. All the Cavs. That's awesome. And then shout out to the Louisville team. You got your masters there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll do that. That's second home. <laughs> That's second home. All right. Now, Kentucky native. Chase, CEO of EZOS. We're going to get into talking a little bit about his company now. NFL or gone entrepreneur, which I love. And as a former MLB, gone entrepreneur, right? I really appreciate that, Chase. So first, let's start with Chase, where they can find you. Tell those folks at home where they can get you. Yeah, so it's just my name, my full name on all platforms, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. And that's probably the best way to, to reach or follow things that I'm doing and working on. And EZOS.com is the company? Yep, EZOS.co, C-O. Dot co, there you go, dot C-O. Yeah, yeah so let's say EZOS is a nice little brand that provides vendors for property managers to make sure they can get some things done. As, as a property owner, man, I got to take advantage of the service because I always have things busting up on my properties. And I'm like, dang, man, who am I going to find? Yeah. I need some EZOS. You're like the Angie's list for owners. Yeah, for sure. We try to be like an Uber or a Lyft style service that allows for as easy as it is to call a driver, as easy as it makes it that easy to call a painter, cleaner, carpet guy, any of those different types of things like that. But yeah, we're trying to turn the community into the property manager's workforce instead of having to maintain that workforce at all times. We want to have that flexibility and that accessibility. Yeah, how do you gauge quality, Chase? Because my challenge in my world, and I own vacation properties, right? My, my properties, I've got a good cleaner. I've got a couple of great people on site. And then every once in a while, I get a deck person who comes in, does a quote unquote, half the quality job I'm looking at. I could use another word, but I'll leave it alone. Yeah. And, and, and it stinks, man. You pay a lot of money and you don't get your quality. Yeah, no, that's definitely a real thing. So one of the things we've been working on is maintaining data points from the beginning. I mean, that actually comes from my football background. I thought I was judged on speed, height, weight, strength my entire life. And I thought when I got into looking into this vendor world of things, it seemed like it was more relational. Hey, this guy knows this guy and this guy referred me to this guy. But was there anything that really told me how you perform when it's actually time to work? 
And actually, we keep track of that information for vendors. So it gives the little dogs a way to compete against the big dogs in my mind, because essentially we're going to grade once you get scheduled out in our platform, we grade how many times you have to go back. So essentially go back in our book is the property manager, the person who's hiring saying, this is not a good job. Hey, can you fix this, fix this. Mm -hmm. But we keep track of that. And if you get it approved on the first attempt, so approval is basically saying, hey, person that hired you says, hey, this was good. I'm willing to pay for it. However many times you do that consistently, it works into our algorithm to allow for you to have higher ratings in our system. So we actually rate all the vendors in our platform um, based on those data points. I love it. Makes sense to me. As a VRBO, Airbnb, five-star person, right? Like with our properties, that's a big deal. And I'm trying to tell people like, hey, you don't want to go to a three-star property or yeah. a five-star rated with three reviews, right? <laughs> like, exactly. No one's ever stayed there except uh, friends and family. <laughs> but listen, it's all five-star, right? And I think that, and I certainly don't want to put my daughter in a two-star Uber. That makes me really nervous that, hey, I want them getting in a car with someone who does this all the time. And they say, hey, this person is a great and kind person who really does their job and does it well. And there's value in that. Awesome. So let's get in. You get uh, UVA, you hit the NFL. Man, injury riddled, man. You really overcome a lot from a high school ACL injury after signing at UVA. So we're going to talk a little bit about showing up on a college campus, right? With all the high expectations, with the full limitations, right? And have a sister. You're a Lexington guy, which I don't, I'm not going to get into how you got a master's at Louisville as a Lexington guy. I don't want to get into it. I don't want to upset Wildcat folks as the Cardinals celebrate in the street that they got you over there, right? Then sister, mom, dad, dad's a former NFL guy, Frank. Yep, Frank. He's a former Cleveland Browns guy, 1980s all-decade team. Woof, woof. Go dogs, bro. Yeah, Go dogs. Pretty, pretty successful from his stance in the NFL to his stance in a business. So been a been somebody that I could definitely look up to. Yeah. What's Frank's business today? He actually has a general contracting business where he's he's built houses. Now he works for Toyota. He's one of Toyota's largest minority contractors, works across the country with them. Does a little bit of everything, honestly. True entrepreneur. Love it. Now what most people don't know about you, Chase. Yeah, they probably know you played in the NFL. You were a good college football player. What most people probably don't know is that your mom is the elected circuit court judge in Lexington, and you ran that campaign. Yeah, that's one thing that people definitely do not know. They probably they might know that my mom was a judge, but they don't know that I ran our campaign. And I do camp running a campaign is a full time job. So I think leading up to her election, I probably had about three or four jobs going on. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. C- CEO of EasyOS and yeah. head of the mom's campaign. Oh. And yeah, a lot of work. And now, and also, you know, there's, a, there's at least a little bit of a hurdle being a DC guy now, settled in that area after being a Washington Redskin and commander now, but I'm yeah. still Redskin and you're Redskin to you at that time. <laughs> and, but the business is based out of Lexington. You're a remote CEO a lot of times. Is that fair? That is fair. Our team is remote. I think that the world is going into a remote environment, specifically from just like businesses and things of that nature. I think that for you to get people into the office, you got to offer a high level of amenity from office space, not just the traditional cubicle isn't going to work anymore. So once we hit that level, we'll bring people to the back to the office space. Yeah. You got Erica Steele, your chief marketing officer extraordinaire. She was helpful in setting us up today. Yeah. And is she remote as well? Yep. She's in St. Louis. Yeah, of course. Perfect. <laughs> So that's awesome. I love that. We can get it all done. It's one of those itties that so many companies overlook. Like productivity comes from anywhere. Yeah. And we just need people to get it done. And that's why winners find a way. And we love that. 
So let's get into a little bit of the real key thing here. Always been a champion, been a high performer. Let's walk through that first initial. Did you know, okay, as a kid, your dad plays the NFL. This is what you're going to do. You're going to play in the NFL. My goal was to be a professional athlete. And the interesting thing about my upbringing is I played all sports. I played football, basketball, baseball, even did swimming, diving, all kinds of things. And I thought I was good at everything, honestly. At least if that's what you, if, if you grade them by winning, I was good at everything. So essentially, I had this one conversation with my dad. Uh, I know you're a baseball guy. And uh, he was, I was telling him I was done playing baseball. I was going to quit. I, I played, like I was one of the only people in high school to play all three varsity sports as a freshman at my high school. And I was a pretty good baseball player. And Lexington actually produces decent baseball talent. So I was, I told my dad, I was like, it's conflicting with summer or spring football. And he was like, nah, you need to stick to baseball. And, and I was like, I think that my, I think I want to take this career down in football. And I also had this thought process that as a father, like there was something that, that aided me. You don't think I can make it the way you did it. Oh, uh, oh yeah. Okay. He was probably, he was really just like looking out for the fact that he's like, this is a better route. You will have yeah. less in your body. You know what I'm saying? Just the uh, baseball experience. And the more I look back on it, I wish I would have stumbled baseball. A lot of my friends end up going pro in baseball from that perspective. But that was one of the conversations where I was like, I'm going to stick to the way that I do things. And I think I can find a way to get things done if I lock in on it. That's been a, a consistent theme in my life is when I feel like I can lock in on something, I feel like I can be the best at it. Yeah, it's probably one of the separators in athletes and probably all people. It's a really good trait to have. But athletes get very good at focus. And probably the biggest detriment I've seen to pro athletes, especially, is the loss of focus. Or, and it's not so much, oh, I'm not really concerned about this anymore. It's the fact that there's so many options. When you get really good, there's a lot of distractions, right? And, yeah. and that's the devil in there, like the devil's in the details. And if you don't get focused in on what you have to do, it's very easy to get lost in what you want to do, what everybody else is doing. There just gets to be too many options and it's it's a dangerous spot it's a dangerous yeah. spot for people to get in we're gonna get into that a little bit too because i think as you talk about that with athletes i i like to tell a lot of people professional baseball has the best athletes in the world and everyone laughs at me like nba is like nba like guys are just incredible like it's fun <laughs> to watch them play basketball especially such so big and doing so much and it's just yeah. almost it's almost like a ballet it's almost like the acrobatics it's so it's it's glorious to like watch the show in person but if i take these athletes away and i put them on skates or i put them in the pool or i put them on the wrestling mat or you know all of a sudden it's not looking so great and the pro baseball players chase you really appreciate this as a three-star athlete there's a lot of pro baseball players that could have gone pro in football or hockey yeah. or basketball and other sports and they choose baseball because of the longevity issue right you yeah. can play a lot longer. The demand on your body while tough is not so physical, engaging, especially like an NFL sport where I think the average is like 1.6 years now. It's not great, right? And the physical toll is a big factor there, right? The injury toll, as we look down your list of ACL, Achilles, ACL again, like it's real and fortunately or challenging. There's still injuries in baseball, but not probably as invasive as those ones. Is that fair? Yeah, no, that's definitely a real thing. I think from, from my perspective, if I would have stayed at like a, as a pitcher or a shortstop, I like to be in the mix. They had me in the outfield at that time frame, And I was like, yeah, I wasn't, I, I was too many innings. I was coming in and out. 
with no action. I need to put in that work. And that's why, like, as a corner, I really like to have perspective. I was a point guard in basketball. I like to have my hands ready to dictate outcomes. Yeah, and look at that. Like, the first injury, the first really major injury for Chase Minifield was, was basketball. It wasn't football. You blew the knee playing hoop. Yeah, and it was interesting. It was a game against a kid that ended up playing in the NBA, and Coach Calipari was there, and I just felt like I had to show up, and I had to show up, and uh, I was actually having a good game. And, uh, and next thing you know, the whole gym went quiet, and uh, that was my last organized basketball game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'll do it. That'll do it. At about 18 years old and an ACL, and you pick another sport. Yeah. And it's funny because when I was in, when I was playing college ball and all that stuff, I stayed away from all that stuff, man. I stayed away from skiing, snowboarding. Forget that. I saw too many people yeah. get injured. Um, even like pond hockey and stuff like that made me nervous. Pick up basketball games that were getting a little too physical. I don't want to risk it. Like I love yeah. playing, but I don't need to run. I can just go over here and shoot. You know? yeah. And I was, just, I was conscious of the fact like there's a lot of ways you could blow this thing up. And, and you have to be thinking about that. And it's funny because now. Man, I look back and think, man, I wish I would have started skiing and snowboarding a lot earlier, but there was just no way I was taking the risk. So yeah. been yeah. learning late. Yeah, I can understand that. One of the hardest calls I had to make was being an 18-year-old and feeling like I ruined my future and making that call because there was no reason that they had to honor my scholarship to the University of Virginia to go play football when I was playing basketball out here. But that was one of the hardest calls I had to make. And a lot of long tears and crying and feeling like, oh man, they're about to pull my scholarship and get somebody else in there. Yeah. Like, and go from there. Yeah. I was one of them. I'm grateful for them sticking with me and believing in uh, my ability to recover um, and to be dedicated to being great. It's funny, Chase. Looking back on it now, I, I'm 53 years old, right? Yeah. You're thinking like, man, it is a big deal when you're 18. Your whole oh. career is stemming on your body, right? Mm -hmm. And the fact of the matter, if you don't take care of it, we're going to get into that a little bit too, is if you don't take care of it, it's over. We, we don't need you. Like, yeah. oh, yeah, hey, you're a really smart guy. And man, the way you read defense is that great. But the problem with your ankle being entirely torn off your body is a problem. Like, yeah. you know, you're covering nobody out here. And so it doesn't matter, like, how smart, how all these other things, like, I take care of myself. I get my prep. I'm a studier. I can break down film. I can do all stuff. But like, physically, you can't do it anymore. No one has a place for you, except in the coaching, which is probably why they gave me that. Hey, you'd make a good coach talk, Chase. Oh, yeah. you know, it was, I was way too young for that talk. Hey, there it was, right? If I can't compete at that level physically, man, that's where it's at, right? Yeah, I understand 100%. Yeah. So let's talk about as you get into this thing, it's not easy. You're going through, you make your recovery. Hats off. Kudos to the Cavs for sticking with you because I think that is a big deal. Most organizations wouldn't blessed for sure and you're going through man hey you senior starter you're kicking tail feeling great you know, all of a sudden not feeling great senior year going into the draft bowl game uva's yeah. in a bowl yeah. and things aren't right what what happens then yes it's an interesting journey my first year chris long was our leader and we got to a bowl game then we never went to a bowl game the rest of my until that senior year and i had an actual chance to leave as a junior to go to the NFL and I chose not to leave because we were coming off such a poor season and I wanted to give that had that chance of leading a team to a bowl game so I see a year I come back and I'm able to lead our team to a bowl game make I've been I'm two-time first team at all AC and I I get there and it's the last I made it do the full season uninjured right and now we're practicing for the bowl game all the things we've been here for 
And it was a one-on-one rep. And the guy beat me. And I was like, I'm an intense competitor. I'm like, nah, nah, do it again type situation. And on the second one, I get hurt. And I it ends up being a situation where I'm like, ah, it doesn't feel like an ACL. It doesn't feel like a, an LCL. It doesn't feel like my stability is off, but I'm having intense pain. And it ended up being a, a microfracture issue that it required microfracture surgery. For anybody that doesn't know, it's a pain, it's a weight-bearing injury on the actual joint. So essentially, they actually told me, if you want to play, you can play if you can bear the pain. And I was like, yeah, right, you don't play corner bearing the pain and man-to-man. You know what I'm saying? You don't do that. You, uh, it's called getting beat. That's what yeah, yeah. it's called, right? I guess so, it's going to be tough. So that I had to make a decision and I ended up getting the surgery right after the bowl game and trying to prepare for the draft. But what I learned was going into the draft, I'm a first, second, third round pick guarantee. Man, I end up being undrafted due to my injury history, pretty much. And one of the worst days I had was at the draft with the NFL combine. And I, I think I sat in that CAT scan machine for at least a couple of hours. It was to the point where they give you a button and they're like, press it if you feel any type of, if you feel like it's too much for you or anything like that. And it takes a lot for me to have to yeah. press the button. Like it's going to have to be unbearable. And it got to that point where I had to press that button, take a break, things of that nature. And I was just like the last person in there. It was an intense situation. And to this day, I realized, I think that the, 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 I didn't even do any lifting or nothing like that at the combine. They, they brought me there to, to scan me as many times as they could possibly scan me. And after that, that was that. I think the, I ended up being an undrafted free agent to the Washington Redskins. And from there, it was an uphill journey of trying to prove yourself as being who you've proved to be over the last four years in college. Yeah, it's a a tough one, right? It's a very hard thing to prove that next level. And of course, really, nobody sees the previous level. Like, who cares if you're a a high school All-American when you're at UVA, right? That could have been you just played in a bad conference and ran over everybody, and that's awesome. (laughs) But like, now you got to see, hey, can I compete at this level with these folks. And, and so it's a new day and you got to prove yourself again and again, and yep. it's not easy, man. So let's talk about that. You come in uh, a lot of success. Now you're an undrafted free agent, practice squad, trying to get a chance, still working through some injury. Yeah. Actually I signed a contract with the Redskins. They said basically, Hey, if you hurt this knee, we're not responsible for it. Cause you could get hurt and have to pay all these different types of be on injury reserve right away. And a lot of people take that out of being on Andrew Reserve, getting paid for a year, those different type of things. That's a nice life, getting paid those salaries and not having to practice. So I wanted to be clear of that. So I actually ended up getting hurt again as an OTA is my first year on that same knee I signed that, that, that waiver on. And essentially, after they had told me, I was like, it's over. I didn't show up the next day of practice, not because they didn't tell me to show up, because I chose not to show up. I went home and I was like, they'd already told you yeah, okay, they're not going to pay. So like, Hey, I'm on my own here. I went home and I paid for my flight home and all those type of things. And I got a call and they said, where are you at? And I was like, I'm back in Kentucky. And they're like, unfortunately, this is an unfortunate situation, but we want to, but we want to stick it out with you with putting you on practice squad. We think you've showed us enough in the time that you've been able to practice that we believe in the future of your ability. That was a important thing for me. I think I've seen that twice. I've seen that at co- high school with my college coach. And then I seen that in the NFL, but what happened after that wasn't the same. Like in the, in college, I was able to prove myself in my work and what everybody was on the same level. And basically if you practice harder, you work harder, you would basically get the better nod or the opportunities that your work ethic is showing. Like you get the fruits of your labor, you feels like an NFL is a business and the salaries go up to the front of the line. 
The people who get paid the most go up to the front of the line. So no matter if you're practicing well, studying hard, always in there dedicating to your craft, it still comes down to the people in front of you having to mess up in some form or fashion. And that, that started to weigh on me a little bit as I was going through my years of coming off of my injury and being able to prove myself in the NFL as a viable player. So we love this. Let's get into a little bit about your mindset during this time. The show on Winners Find a Way is all talking about, it, it's named after a quote from the Four Disciplines of Execution, winners when shown data that they are losing, find a way to win. So let's talk about this time you were down. You, you go back, you're on the practice squad, and I haven't really had a chance to prove yourself at that level. Meanwhile, this is a long, slow recovery of trying to get time. Every year, a new batch of prospects come in with a pretty signing, pretty good signing bonus, which I certainly understand the pecking order. Listen, if you look at everybody's depth chart, like you can put the salaries at the top, right? That's where the, that's where the depth chart starts. And that doesn't mean that people don't replace the stars. Yeah. They do. It does happen. But I will tell you that we used to always say, okay, $3 million signing bonus. I'm going to give you 3 million reasons why they got more chances than you do. <laughs> that, that was it, right? Like, is that, man, they got $2,500 into a senior sign yeah. and they got 3 million into the 17 year old phenom, right? Just yeah. a little bit better. You better be a lot better. Exactly. That was definitely what I learned is that it can't be close. Yeah, it, can't it can't be, be close. close. And that was cool with me. I'm cool competing at that level. But the only, the, it's hard to prove yourself, especially the way that the NFL had changed their rules or practicing and things of that nature that you can't necessarily really practice hard against starters, especially from a competition standpoint, because you're knocking people down on the ground, you're pushing people out. You can't be hurting people that are making three million. That's right, man. No contact rule on certain days, you know, right? Yeah. So, like you, it, it, it was a tough battle and I don't think it's, it's explained enough. For people that are at the bottom of the roster, I think it speaks a lot to necessarily my resilience and uh, my mindset to work that I can stick around for three years when I've seen a lot of people go in and out from that place. Because on every Tuesday, somebody's working out for your position. Don't matter who you are. You could be Tom Brady. You could be D'Angelo Hall. You could be anybody in the locker room. And they're down there having a tryout pretty much from people who are out there just competing, trying to figure out yeah. this, their story. That's a crazy thing, Chase, right there. Like, people probably don't know this. We get the inside NFL, like all these shows. But people don't realize that, like, every Tuesday, there's a new free agency of releases that just happened. And people are taking a look at that. Yep. Hey, hey, I, I love this kid out in Florida. I love this kid at USC. And I, I tracked him, and he just came free from the Chargers. Let's bring this kid in. Let's see what he's got. And you're right. like, dang, man. But And... We got a staff of 30 guys that I love these kids too. And I'm like, oh man, I had Chase Minfield. I had him over at UVA. Great kid. So because I'm over on the staff of the Raiders, you come free. It's, hey, can't, look, let's get Chase in here on Tuesday. Let's give him a shot. Let's give him a look. And I've got influence because I'm one of those top 15 coaches. And, and we're seeing a position of, doesn't matter. A couple guys getting burned over the weekend. A couple guys out of position. A couple guys missing their check calls. And all of a sudden, it's, I don't know if this guy's going to be able to make it. Whether it's effort intellect, diligence, prepare, preparation, physical readiness, mm -hmm. mental readiness. Listen, I can disqualify anybody from anything in this game, yeah. right? Yeah. And it only takes one. I check one box, mental preparedness, not there. <laughs> I'm looking for someone who can check all the boxes and mental preparedness because the misses 
weren't physical, in my opinion. Chase has got all the skills. He missed because he didn't check down. He didn't do something. He missed it. Someone didn't come off the ball, and all of a sudden, he's three yards behind a play, and that's all it takes. Yep. Happens twice in the game, and all of a sudden, I'm seeing a pattern. I'm seeing a pattern. So here comes Tuesday, and now it's like a, it's like a new lineup potentially. It's crazy, and people do not understand the levels of competition, how close this thing is at that level. It's very tight. Yeah, definitely. It's as tight as it comes. Yeah, you go through these years, a patient two, three years here, bouncing practice squad, health, can't make the club in the tub, but yet they're sticking with you to get healthy, get right. And you're doing your rehab, which absolutely sucks because you're out there doing all this stuff while you're watching everybody else get reps, everybody else. And you're trying to keep up, film, all those things, but it's not reps. And yeah. so you finally get an opportunity to show, hey, you've got what it takes and you're traveling and you're going to get in that starting role. Yeah, I would say from in my three years, if you see my level of weekly commitment towards being prepared to play at my highest level, it was slowly decline because mm. I wasn't seeing, I wasn't seeing my commitment level to the game. And then even when I was pulled up off the practice squad, you're one of the 53, they only dress 46. So yep. even then when you're preparing, for the games that play for anything that may come up, you, they didn't give you a t-shirt. <laughs> so they did give you a t-shirt say, here you go. We're going to go with other guys today. That type yeah. of thing. So, That's that edge right there. You're walking that edge all the time of trying yeah. to get that 46 just to pad up, right? Yeah, exactly. A little bit on that thing. I really love this description that you made. Like every week you're dropping a little bit of intensity and preparation. I call it the drift. Right? We yep. don't go running away from what we know is right. We just start drifting. Do you recognize at that time that you're drifting or looking back, you see it? Looking back, I see it. I don't recognize it at the time. I felt like it was high-level commitment as far as, but it was ordinary commitment. And that wasn't necessarily what I was built from. I'm built from extraordinary commitment towards my craft. And that's where my confidence came from. And if you start to lack and you get put in positions to perform, and you haven't been doing the things that you expect yourself or remember from yourself from that level of commitment is how you be great. Then you start getting ordinary results. And that's really what I seen happen in that drift, as you call it, is that, and also on that time frame when I got called up, it was midweek. And I think that's actually a, a an important point in this situation is the fact of, yeah, you don't get the, you don't get to choose when you get your opportunity. Yeah. You don't get to choose that. Like when you, when it's time to go, it's time to go. And that could be an hour before, 30, three days before, five days before, or seven days before. But if I would have been told I'm starting this week on Saturday, going up like Monday, going into that next Sunday, then I'd have a different outcome. But I got told on a Wednesday and Thursday, and I've gone Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday and missed three days of preparation week. So now I'm trying to fit Thursday, Friday, Saturday, cram into gotcha. what, what I would prepare for a seven-day week. And in that space, is just because of a drift. And... Previously, if my intensity was as high as it was pre when I first started and I was treating every Monday, regardless of my situation, as if I was a starting corner on the Washington Redskins and that started to drift, those Monday, Tuesdays and Wednesdays was the issue. It's a tough, it's a tough, and everyone goes, oh man, this is your job. How could you not be ready? All those things like, and, and I do agree that you seeing a, a player ahead of you go down on yeah. Sunday, knowing at that moment, hey, my number could get called. Like that yeah. immediately triggers some things for any athlete. But people standing in readiness and they say, oh, I'm ready to do this. And you're a pro player. How could you not be ready? Like 
man, the, the intensity of this level and to maintain it is not an easy thing. And now thinking about 52 weeks, you got, you're coming up on 150 Mondays where they haven't told you yet. You're ready you know, to go. It's just, it's a lot of Mondays, man. And yeah. so now it's stand tall, stand ready. So what's the outcome, Chase? How's the game go? Yeah. So I end up starting, I prepare myself as if I'm as best as I can. I actually end up getting a concussion in that game about midway through the game. It was a concussion. I never actually really had a concussion like that, but it was a really scary situation where I didn't, I was playing after that hit, but I don't remember anything that happened from that perspective after that hit. I only remember the last thing I remember was the hit. I had to watch film to realize that my body was going through things just off of like muscle memory, but mm. not necessarily being consciously there. So after that, I realized something happened and my coach was like, Minifield, you're out. And I was like, what happened? Did I do something? Did I give up something? Did I give up touchdown? Am I on, going to be on sports center tomorrow morning? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm trying to figure out what's going on. I'm over here. What am I, what, what the heck is going on? And what I realized that, I, that I'm not consciously there, right? And they end up taking me to the back. I end up getting diagnosed with concussion, end up being out for the next two weeks and then getting cut from the Washington Redskins and from the NFL. Never got another call. End up figuring, end up trying to figure out what was next for me. And I just was in a disbelief that this is my final part of my story. This is the final part of my story. That's not, this is not how it's written. This is not how it's supposed to be written. Eventually you have to come to terms with your reality. Yeah. When, so it wasn't long after you finished with the Redskins that you do go to Louisville and start your master's in sports administration, right? Yeah. It wasn't like four years. It was like within a year. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I started while I was playing and I was just doing like half things and I finished yep. it after I got done playing. I, I was like just a couple classes here and there. So yep. said, were you in, were you at Louisville at the time on campus? Yep. I would come up. Yep. So awesome. So is that at that time, are you still working out at Louisville thinking, Hey, I'm going to get a call here in a minute. I'm, I'm going to be ready to go if I get the call. So physically you're there and that, and all it's tough to stay mental, but like physically you're ready if your agent gives you a call. Oh yeah. I was locked in every week. I figured, I think people were playing that was not up to the par of the level that I could play the position at, but, and so I stayed ready for up to a year, up to a year and a half working out at a high intensity level. I don't know how to work out any other way. I can't go in there and jump on the elliptical. I work out high intensity. You know what I'm saying? That's just my makeup in general. Yeah. All right. So what pivot? You got to pivot this, right? And you got to change some things. Develop, transfer the skill sets of an entrepreneur to what are, are transfer the skill sets of, of an athlete now to something else, whether it's a student, whether that's an entrepreneur, career. What, what's the pivot? What do you take from all these learnings and now apply to what you're doing today? I had to lock, I had to really dig deep, Trent, on like my thought process. If I'm going to say the things that I've lived by for a long time, but I used to always tell people that I wasn't scared to go to zero. And that was like my previous injuries. I always felt like I was at zero and I had to rebuild myself back up. And that was one of my advantages over people who had now had adversity was the fact of I wasn't fearful of building, going back to nothing. And I was able to take risks and I was able to be in the moment at a higher level because of that. So in that perspective, I remember my dad telling me, he said, uh, you're treating this NFL thing like it's your, this is your, like, this is the only thing you can do. And that you're not, you're going to school, but are you going to school because you just want, you got time to spend, but you're still waiting for these calls. You're still waiting for these opportunities. 
you're not looking at nothing else. You're not doing anything else. And I had to really look at myself in the mirror and say, I did not go to the University of Virginia to only play, to be a football player once I get out of here. And if I'm truly going to be somebody that can thrive in adversity and embrace adversity, this is the biggest adversity that I'm facing. And that is a time frame where you think you're good enough and they don't think you're good enough. Mm -hmm. And what are you going to do about it? And really what I decided is that I decided to take my own destiny into my hands. I didn't think I needed the NFL. I didn't think I needed the, the sports anymore. And I might've ran from it, who knows? But I ended up working, getting into entrepreneurship. And the reason why I wanted to do entrepreneurship is because I didn't want nobody to control my outcomes anymore. I wanted every outcome that was part of my, my story to be based on my work ethic and my, the things that I've put in from my perspective. I wanted to win or fail based on me. Yeah, I think a lot of entrepreneurs share that with you. And we also make terrible employees. I mean, like, you know, like, I think part of that, I think part of my desire to be an entrepreneur was that I wanted to change things in organizations very quickly. Hey, this isn't working well. Let's change this. And they were like, whoa, can't change this, man. Like, this has been this way a long time. And I'm like, okay, why are we doing it the stupid way? <laughs> and so that never really went over very well, by the way, like the, being the stupid way for the last 15 years. Yeah, probably could have been a little more tactful there. But that was the chance to say, hey, something needs to be changed and, and I want to be proactive and change it. And that always hasn't worked out for the best. But man, you, you've been through some tough times is when you're going through these things, is there something that you go back to? Is there something that you read that kind of levels you and gets you back focused to where you need to be, gets you back on, catches your drift and puts you back on the line? to yeah. getting mentally right, getting physically right? It's not necessarily really a thing that I read. I'll put myself in a place. I always put myself in a quiet place. I always like to put myself in darkness, quietness, and I like to focus on really like just sitting in my thoughts. Sitting in my thoughts, I'll put some music on. Running, morning runs have always been my thing. And early morning runs, we're not talking about 7 a.m. runs. We're talking about 4, 4.30 runs, things really? like that. Yes. That's always been the space where I figure out what am I made of in my yep. mind. And I always can re refocus, regroup and say, all right, if you are who you say you are, you rise to these occasions. And what's next? We just answer it really is what's next. Yeah, I think that's a huge thing, Chase. It's a lot of self-awareness because all of us want to be the best versions of ourselves. And I know in our world, man, we talk a lot about discipline. We talk mm -hmm. a lot about it, man. And there are days I don't feel disciplined, right? And I'm like, man, hey, you're going to be talking about this stuff, man. You better go get yourself at it, man. And enough with the bonbons and the couch. All right, that's it. I got, okay, man, I can't be over here just Netflix for 16 hours. Yeah. So it's tough. It's tough on that mentality. But I think that self-reflection and realizing, hey, there is a, there is a gear of extraordinary and nobody else can model that like, I can't and should be as the yeah. CEO. And let's talk about how you bring that to the daily edge, to the grind day in, day out. Knowing what you learned back there in the drift where it didn't serve you because, and I don't know whether that was habit daily, like what, maybe not enough time for the reflection each mm -hmm. week because you're busy and it's easy to get busy and not be focused. But how do you change that now as the CEO of EZOS to make sure that you deliver every day for not only your customers, but your team? 
Yeah. I think one of the things that is different now than previously is that I had to make sure myself responded. Right. And that's now I got to lead a team of people to get them to respond at a high level as they are customer facing. Um, they're developing the code in that type of situation. And sometimes they see adversity hit and we'll get bad news as a company. And then I have to bring them to my mindset. We're built for this. And that's one of the things that I don't try to over over talk them on a motivation type of thing. But I know that they respect me for my journey. I know they respect me for the things I've been able to accomplish in my life to date. And I always try to bring my mindset to them, knowing that necessarily they may not have that same reaction I would have in a specific situation. So I got to always try to say, hey, guys, whatever the situation is, we're built for it. We're built for this situation. Whatever is put in front of us, we'll get through it and continue to try to push our team that way. Sometimes it's lighthearted, sometimes it's strong, but I always try to focus on how can I get my mindset adversity because we're a startup. Say we're going against billion dollar corporations. Uh, we're going against people that are not, we're, we're not expected to succeed. Uh, we're not expected to succeed in no form or fashion. The success that we've had to date is of a one percenter, right? Especially coming out of Lexington, Kentucky with a team that's all central Kentucky. Not too many people have it. And we've had investors tell us left and right, this isn't going to work. We're not investing in this. We hear no on a daily basis. And I don't think that's something that they're, like most of my team is not cut out to handle it. To, for that is what I'm built for. I'm built for seeing no's and turning no's into disbeliefs or yeses. And that's why I'm the leader of the team. There you go. Love it. Chase, it has been awesome to spend some time with you, man. I took a lot away from today. Certainly that catching that drift and the, the key to being extraordinary in all things and, and doing it on the daily is not an easy road and an easy task. And also weathering through, how do I get through some of these challenges of coming back to compete again and again at that high level, even though injury thwarts that for a short time, it is not an easy challenge. The opportunities for perseverance and resilience and patience are, are key attributes that you've learned along the way. Probably going to serve you really well as an entrepreneur, whether you like it or not too. Because, you know, we all want that done right away too. Everyone wants, hey, like, why aren't they just buying us for 12 million? Yeah, so we're trying to get that done. And man, I just, I'm grateful for our time together today. Tell them again, Chase, where they can find you. So my name, Chase Minifield, you can find that across all social media platforms. Also, www.ezos.co is our website for our company. It's awesome. Everybody, Chase Minifield on the Winners Final Way Show. Thank you for joining us. We are live every Friday, 1230 Eastern, 930 AM Pacific on the YouTube, Leadership of YouTube channel, LinkedIn Live and Facebook Live. And you can check our podcast out, releases every Friday on all your major networks, Apple, Spotify, all Google Cast, all of them. So please go rate us five stars, share the show. Love to have you here all the time. Me, I am Coach Trent Clark. Thrilled to be with you. Until next time on the Winner's Find a Way show, we'll see you. Rebellious Infusions are organic flavored water enhancers. Rebellious provides clean, focused energy in liquid packets. Just tear the corner of the packet and pour 16 ounces of water. Rebellious Infusions have no sugar, no calories, and up to 300 milligrams of antioxidants and loads of L-thionine for brain health. Rethink your drink at drinkrebellious.com. For 10% off of your next purchase, use the code 999999. Do you want to be our next guest? 
Or do you have inspiring stories to share? Or do you love to inspire, support, and empower thought leaders? Feel free to send Trent a direct message on Instagram or Facebook at Leadershipity.